ಯುಗಧಾರ್ಮಪಾಲೋ ವಂದೇ ಜಗತ್ಪ್ರಿಯಕರು ಕರುಣಾಭೂತಾರೋ ಪೂರ್ಣಶುದ್ಧ ನಿತ್ಯ ಮುಕ್ತ of the month of Rishikesh. So, I thought I'd speak from Bhagavad Gita on Ekadasi. You all know the verse, right? It mentions Ekadasi in Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> Ekadasi is an important Vaishnav brat or vow. So it's mentioned in Bhagavad Gita, naturally. Such an important scripture for the Vaishnavas or devotees of Vishnu. And naturally it falls in the ninth chapter. Ninth chapter of Bhagavad Gita is all about Shuddha Bhakti, Ananya Bhakti. Bhakti, Bhakti means devotion. Shuddha, pure, Ananya, without any other influence. This is really the essence of Bhagavad Gita, the message of Krishna, the flute sound of Krishna. Mamikam Sharanam Braja. Me alone, he says. Worship me alone. So Shuddha, pure, only Krishna. It may sound a bit sectarian, but if you understand Krishna, we'll try to explain a little something. Then you'll see, oh, it's all-inclusive. In the ninth chapter, is in the middle of the book, Bhagavad Gita is 18 chapters. So, right in the middle of the book, or just at the end of the ninth chapter, then... The secret is found. In fact, this chapter in particular is called The Knowledge or the Yoga of the Hidden Treasure, Rajaguyam Yoga. So, just like you take a precious, valuable thing and hide it in the middle of the book. So, the secret of Bhagavad Gita has been hidden in the middle. It's reiterated again at the conclusion, in the end, in the 18th chapter. But this ninth chapter particularly dwells on the virtues of Shuddha Bhakti, pure devotion. In this chapter, Krishna becomes very, uh, is very carried away, emotionally carried away, in speaking about Shuddha Bhakti and about Shuddha Bhaktas, his devotees. He almost goes over the top in this chapter, glorifying his devotees by way of saying, even if they make a fault, they're still better than anyone else on any other path. This is his feeling, sentiment, for those who love him. So, naturally, and appropriately so, Ekadasi, which is an important uh, observance, an important vow for Vaishnavas, is found, discussed, mentioned in this chapter. This um, point in the chapter, Krishna is mentioning the characteristics of his devotees, his Shuddha-bhaktas, his unalloyed um, devotees. He calls them Mahatmas. 
Maha Atma. Atma means soul and Maha means great. So he calls them great souls. Now they think that only Krishna is a great soul. But because, and that's true, Krishna is the greatest soul. But because they always speak about him and glorify him, thereby they become great also. If someone is the greatest, then it's not you. And you tell them, you tell others about that person, and they will think you're great. And so will he, for having told the truth. When I was a young man, about your age, then, I was living in the Santa Cruz Mountains in, uh, in California. In my circle of friends and associates, I found my thought was everyone is speaking really to have themselves be heard. In other words, my sense was that everyone is, is seeking to put themselves in the center, but I thought none of us are worthy of being in the center of everyone else. We live truly, in a material sense, in a very small world, the world of our mind, if you will, which is informed by impulses gathered through the senses. We touch, we, we see, we hear, we smell, we taste, and try to understand the nature of reality through these mediums. They send impulses, the senses that is, to the central computer of our material sense of self, the mind, and the mind makes a computation based on those impulses, those sensations. It computes good or bad, happy, sad. I like this, I don't like that. This is hot, this is cold. And we live then within a world of these dualities created by the senses and the mind. What's good for you may be bad for me. What's happy for you may be sad for me. What's hot for you may be cold for me. So the determining factor of hot and cold is the mind informed by the senses. And senses change with age. My mind changes in terms of its determination. What previously I thought was good later I may think is bad. And again, what, what is good for you may be bad for me, so what is it? <laughs> is the thing good? Is the thing bad? Is it happy? Is it sad? Is it hot? Is it cold? All this is relative to the mind informed by the senses. It's not enabling us to get at the real and the full picture of the nature of being, what opportunity, what prospect there is for us in life. This small world of the mind is rather disconcerting for each of us. We're not comfortable in it entirely, but we like to think that everyone should fit inside of it. That's very unreasonable. So to come out from underneath this oppression of the, of the worldview gathered through the mind and the senses, this is what spiritual life is about, to come out from that. So I thought in my small circle of friends. Everyone is trying, is talking just to put themselves in the center. But none of us are worthy of being in the center. We are living in a little world of our minds. We each want everybody else to fit inside. 
but each individual, neither of the individuals is happy themselves within that small world of their mind. How unreasonable it is. And so therefore I took, took a, a vow, a self-imposed vow to be silent, I thought. Enough of this talking and trying to put oneself into the center. I will be silent. That was my idea. Then I came in touch with Hare Krishna Mahamantra. <laughs> <laughs> then I found uh, something worth talking about. Vedanta Sutra says, It derived, the sutra is derived from the Upanishads, which tell us that place from which the mind returns, that place from which words return, this is abstract language, of course, but um, not for everyone. But everyone hasn't come here tonight. Few people interested in higher things who, through good association, have some adhika or some eligibility to hear about higher things that may be talked about in abstract ways, not for common people. What does it mean? From whence the mind returns. From whence words going, having gone, return. It means that nature of being, the nature of reality, it cannot be, cannot be understood by the mind. It cannot be described in words. So, shall we be quiet? Shall we stop talking? Again, I said I took a vow of silence. But no, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his followers have given another idea. The sutra from the Vedanta says, Ikshuter na ashabdat. What it means is, again, it's explaining these statements of the Upanishads from where the mind goes, from where words go and, and return. It does not say, it says, it says that absolute truth cannot be fully described by words. How will we understand the sutra? Baladev one of our great saints in our lineage, he says, it means the nature of Brahman, God, the Absolute is such that you cannot say enough about it. You cannot say enough. This is, therefore, this is the preoccupation of the devotees. They may think in the beginning better to stop talking, but when they find something worth talking about, then they can talk all day and night. And by doing so, they don't put themselves in the center because they're talking about the one great soul. And only by that do they become great. So Krishna has described his devotees, unalloyed devotees, as Mahatma, great souls. Mahatma, he says, three times in the Gita he uses this. And every time he uses this word, Mahatma, we study carefully, he's referring to his devotees. Mahatmanastumamparta Daivim Prakritim Ashrita. He says, these great souls, they move in the world in a different way than ordinary people. Daivim Prakritim Ashritaha. They've come under the under the influence of uh, my divine Shakti. Not my Maya Shakti, but my Antaranga Shakti, my Swarup Shakti. Maya Shakti has the influence of Nirananda, Asat, Achit, Nirananda. It makes us dull. 
we are somewhat an, a, a product of our association, largely. Tata. Tata, tatashta. Tata means like the line between water and sand on the ocean. If you go, if you look, you can see there's a line that demarks the land from the ocean, but you cannot put your finger on it. You understand? We are like that line. Cannot quite put our finger on ourselves, but if we associate in a particular way, then we'll be identified accordingly. When we associate with matter, we come under the Maya Shakti. We become like matter. What is what is the nature of matter? Among other things, all forms of matter do not endure. All forms of matter are non-enduring. When we associate with matter, we come to think that we may not endure, that our existence is threatened, and we struggle then to overcome that. We struggle to maintain our sense of material identity, even though any rational person will admit it's a losing cause. It's not possible to maintain. Impossible. But it is enduring life that we all seek. Not only life that endures, but life that endures and is happy. So, if we associate with matter, we become matter-like. We are practically dead in comparison to what our potential for life is if we come to associate with the Antaranga Shakti, the divine power of God. This divine power of God that is manifest as bhakti, that appears in the heart as bhakti, sambit, ladini, sandini. This gives sat, chit, ananda, not asat, achit, nirananda. It means it gives us a sense that we exist and a strong sense that we exist, that there is no possibility of our not existing at any time. And when we know chit, the extent to which we exist, sat, then we have no fear. And we have no fear, and we know that nothing can bring about our demise, then we have no need to take from the environment. When we think that we are not going to endure, we need to take from the environment. We need to add things, we think, onto our life to secure our position. But when we know the extent to which we exist, then we have nothing to take, and therefore we know what to do, what our life is for. We exist, we can know that we exist, and we have a purpose. What is the purpose? If you don't need anything, if you don't need to take anything to live, then what will you do? What will your purpose be? Live to give, that's all. Ananda, to give, for joy, hmm? for giving. Love is about giving, right? not about taking. The mystic mystery of life is that if you give of yourself, you become more whole. It's just the opposite of what our reasoning would mandate. If you give, you will lose. You will be, something will be missing. But if we give, then we gain. In fact, giving is the getting. So, this is the business of the Mahatmas. Mahatmanas to Mamparta Daivim Prakritam Ashrita. They're moving under the Daivim Prakritam. They're moving under the influence of Krishna's internal Shakti. 
And so they become alive in the full sense of the term. When we associate with material energy, we lose the sense that we're a conscious being. In fact, it is only in the human form of life that we, can, we become conscious enough to know within our material sojourn that we exist. Do you follow me? Animal life, plant life, they don't know that they exist. They cannot think about it. So as I'm saying, by associating with matter, we become like matter practically. We can come to the point we don't even know that we exist. Then what potential is there for to be, to be happy? How much happiness can be gathered from that type of life? <laughs> and in our human form of life we may know, but we don't know too much. Therefore we are afraid and we have to take things and gather things to improve our life, to make it better, to try to make it happy. When a soul is associated with matter, it becomes like ice. When the soul is associated with bhakti, with spiritual energy, it becomes like water. What is the difference between water and ice? What can you do with ice? And what can you do with water? With ice, you can cool water. <laughs> but water, <laughs> you can drink, you can swim. Water is life. They found it on Mars. They know. Water is life, materially speaking. So to associate with matter is to become like dead and to associate with that diving prakritim that these Mahatmas, great souls, are conducted by under the influence of which they move and that is to become alive. What potential then? What possibility lies in that? So great, we cannot imagine. We cannot say enough about that life. That is the life of God, as I said. Cannot say enough about that. They are always talking about that. And if we hear that, Satam prasanga mama virya sambhido bhavanti hrit karnara sayana kata Satam prasangam These people, these Mahatmas, they're called Satam. Satam means truthful. It means they're thoroughly honest. Satam. Satam prasanga That company of thoroughly honest people Satam Prasanga Mamavirya Sambhido. In that company, Krishna is speaking. Kopila. Mamavirya, that my virtuous acts are always the topic of their discussion. They are always talking about my virtuous acts. Satam Prasanga Mamavirya Sambhido Bhavanti Hritkarna Kata. He says, if you get that company, if you come in that company, then satam prasanga mama vivyasambhido babanti hit karna rasayana kata rasayana rasayana means rejuvenating elixir rejuvenating that, that elixir that rasayana kata that those talks about me that have the capacity to rejuvenate one bring one to, to life practically from dead to life it automatically goes in your ear if you're in their company. They're always speaking about these things. It will go in the karna, in the ear. 
And if it goes in your ear, then Anukram. Then step by step, Kram means step, Anukram, one after another, step after step, step by step, you will become a Mahatma. From Shraddha, the initial faith that is created by that hope through all the different stages, to Rati, Bhav, and brain, step by step. So there's a process for this. And it begins and centers around good company, good association, means for becoming happy. The discussion of ikadasi falls within this, some system to this. There's, the, there's, the, there's some method through the madness of what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is all about. Here Krishna says, Mahatmans tunampayata daivim prakritim ashrita. Great souls, they move under the influence of my divine energy. He says, then he begins to say, oh, something about, they have some, you can see them on the surface, but you cannot see everything about them. Vaishnavera kriyamudna bhundra vignena bhujai. The movements of these people are very difficult to understand in, in their entirety. They have inner life. Pajanti ananyamanaso. Knowing me to be butadim, avyayam, to be imperishable, to be the source of all buddhas, all beings. Bhajanti, ananya, manaso. Inside, that means manasa, mind, in the mind, in their heart, reflected in their mind. Bhajanti, ananya. They're doing bhajan, they're worshipping me without. Uh, in undivided way I mean exclusively constantly their meditation their life their, their minds are fixed on me so that means the movements are based on something not by on external stimuli but from within motivated by by their preoccupation with the one great soul who has an agenda he's not sitting alone still quiet some philosophers reason like this, that if you're happy, then why move? If you're happy, if you're fulfilled, if you're full, then no need to move, right? In other words, desire is a sign of being unfulfilled. You want something. So you get up, you do something. So if you're full, then no movement. This is one group of thinkers. They're also mentioned after mentioning the Mahatmas. Krishna mentions other types of souls. This is one of those types. They think like this. If you're full, why move? Shanti, shanti, shanti. Peace, peace, peace. Be peaceful. If you f- f- empty out your heart of any desire, then you'll be full. There's a fullness in emptiness. And it's true. Compared to negative numbers. Negative numbers means the realm of karma, the realm of desire. I have so many desires, so because I desire and I take, therefore I owe. When I take from the environment, I incur a debt to the environment. So I'm taking in order to get ahead, but I'm actually becoming more entangled by that. As if you borrow money from the bank, if you borrow money from the bank, do you have more money or less money? You have less money. You owe more money than you have in your hand. You were at zero. You borrowed a large amount. You think you have a large amount, but you have a large debt. 
and the debt is greater than the amount you hold in your hand because there will be interest. So the realm of karma is like this. It is negative numbers. The more we move in that realm, the more we go backwards. It's not just a treadmill. But it's like one of those escalators that you're trying to go up, but it's going down, and you're going down while trying to move forward. So if we are to move from that, from negative numbers to zero, then there's some fullness in that zero. There's some positive value. There's fullness and emptiness. But what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is teaching, what Bhagavad Gita is teaching, when it speaks of Mahatmas, that is something else. It reasons, if they are negative numbers and there's zero, what about two, three, four, 108? Very good. Are there any positive numbers? This is the question. This is Daivim Prakritim. That energy that these Mahatmas are moving under, that is the realm of positive numbers. And in that realm, there's something to do. In this realm of karma, we move because we're unfulfilled, because we are in ignorance, we don't know the nature of self. We are trying to add things onto ourself in order to make it more beautiful, more happy, to protect it from the sense that it may not endure, to survive. That is all movement in the realm of karma. If we finish that business, then we can become still. But if we truly become full, then there's cause for other movement. That is the movement of celebration. The joy of fullness, that is called lila. Krishna is moving. Mahaprabhu is moving, dancing. All this movement is out of fullness. The very nature of fullness mandates that one must do something. It's not a necessity out of incompleteness, a necessity of born of, of completeness. This is Leela. The Lord is moving in, in relation to the Leela of Krishna under the diving prakritim, the internal energy. They are in a special category, even while in this world, as Krishna is when he makes his avatar, his descent in this world. So to come under that influence, that is, a, that, is, that is desirable for us. Our real prospect in life, uh, highest prospect will be found there. Having mentioned these people, Krishna says now, the next verse, satatam kirtayantomam. He says, this is what they do. This is how they conduct themselves. This is the nature of their moving. I've said something about the fact that they're moving based on some internal motivation, but it has some external expression. And the principal expression of that is kirtan. They sing about me. Satatam kirtayantomam. They sing, they do kirtan about me. And he says, satatam kirtayantomam. Satatam means always. They're always doing kirtan. It means they're always singing about me, always glorifying me. This satatam always means deyam sada. This is Bhagavat describing Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna in Kali Yuga. Chaitanya means for loving Krishna. Principal means the backbone of the whole process, kirtan, nam kirtan, jayam sada, 
It is dhyam, dhyam, it is a dhyam, it is a kind of meditation that sada can be done always. Now, how can you do meditation always? Meditation requires you sit down in one place in a quiet spot. And meditation requires another thing. If you were to sit there for a long time, what is that? Yes, you have to be silent. But if you, if you, if, if to sit for a long time, what else do you have to have? Peaceful mind. Yes, peaceful mind. It means, in order to have a peaceful mind, there's something that you don't, that you shouldn't have. That's the desires that make you get up. <laughs> that is ignorance, you understand? Ignorance makes you get up. Oh, I have something to do. I need something. The, all these desires born in the mind. There's, that's another thing. There's, you can go now. <laughs> For a life of uh, spiritual practice, then basic necessities are not denied. One should, uh, Bhagavatam says, what? Hmm. It used to be... What is that verse? The favorite verse of... Yeah, but what is that Sanskrit? Uh, at any rate, it gives them uh, some, some allowance. The monk can beg alms who's living in the household some some allowances there some quotas there but this is a bhakti school and any school some allowance some allowance for monk at least but bhakti school very generous allowance for a householder also so to sit and meditate the point is effectively for for a long time requires some purification there's some prerequisite required to arrive at that point. But what Bhagavatam has given, the meditation, the dhyan of Bhagavatam, dhyam sada, it says always. That means that is kirtan, that is that kind of, that kind of uh, absorbing the mind. Because kirtan can be done even if you don't have a pure heart. You can sing and dance Krishnanam, even if you can't pay attention. What benefit you will get meditating if you can't pay attention? None. What benefit you will get chanting if you can't pay attention? Oh, so much benefit you will get. The benefit will get that you'll begin to be, you'll be able to pay attention in time. And beyond that, all uh, the heart, heart will be purified by that. Is the point by this kirtan? Mahaprabhu himself has taught this principle. He said. Nam namakari bahudani jasarva shaktis tatrapita ni amita smarani nakala. He said, Krishna is so kind that he has many names. And these names are filled with his shakti, nijasarva shakti. Mabu here is speaking about principal names of God. There are secondary names of God and there are primary names of God. What are primary, primary names of God and what are secondary names of God? Secondary names of God are Brahman, Paramatma, names like this. They are names of God in relation to this world or names that are not, let us say, in relation to the life of God himself, inner life of God. That dancing of Krishna, that flute playing of Krishna, that Leela, that life, carefree as it is, their names in relation to that life, that life. And those names are filled with shakti, all of his shakti. 
Why is that? Because those names are names in relation to his devotees. And those devotees, as we've heard, they are under his shakti. His shakti, his swarup shakti is in their heart. That means they become devotee. He comes under the influence of his own shakti in the form of his, dev his devotee. And in that interaction is called lila, play. So when we say Radha Madhava, Radhanath, Yashodanandana, these are primary names of God. They are filled with the Shakti. Did they have power, Mahaprabhu said? All power. Nam Namakari Bahudani Jasarva Shaktis Tatrarpita Niyamitasmaranakala. He said. And they can be chanted any time, any place, anywhere. Jayam Sada. There are no hard and fast rules for this kind of chanting. Anybody can do anywhere. Even while sleeping, it is mentioned. And chanting, it will get benefit. What other spiritual discipline can you benefit from in your sleep? We are told to be awake, to be attentive. <laughs> it's true. But see what attention Krishna gives to his devotees. Even they're sleeping, they can benefit. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he uh, began this chanting of Krishna Nam, and then his tongue would not stop chanting. And so even when he went uh, to uh, an unclean place for natural purposes, his tongue would continue to chant. Now, ordinarily we should not chant mantras unless we're clean and in a clean place and in the right setting and so forth. And there are rules for that, that kind of... Uh, uh, invoking the mantra. But this Nam mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, is a Nam mantra. Mahaprabhu was told there are no hard and fast rules. Still he was chanting, his tongue was, but he was thinking, oh, there's a problem. I'm in an unclean place and I'm chanting this Nam mantra. So he, he thought he might be making offense. But Gopal Guru Gosami, Gopal Gosami, his name was, he told Mahaprabhu, no, 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 don't worry. For this Nam, there are no rules. Mahaprabhu became very happy. He called him Guru. He became known as Gopal Guru Goswami. You are one of my Gurus. Oh, you saved me hmm? <laughs> from this thought that I'd be making offense. Hmm? Because I cannot stop. <laughs> so Krishna Nam, so generous. Krishna Nam has, it is said that Krishna Nam um, is very um, outgoing aggressive. He has an agenda. You know the story, there were two policemen in India and they were walking, strolling at night and one said to the other, you know, it's a good thing that our God, Krishna, is a thief. Krishna is known for being quite mischievous and, and uh, stealing, especially in his youth. You know, stolen food tastes better than home-cooked. He used to go out and steal butter and yogurt from other houses. It's a long story, very charming. Anyway, this fellow said, oh, it's good that our God is a thief. The other fellow said, what are you talking about? That's the whole problem. We're trying to bring law and order to the country and our God's a thief. Hmm? This is a big problem. So the first fellow said, no, you don't understand. Krishna is a thief and thieves don't care for high walls and locked doors. And that's exactly what we've done, is erect high walls around our heart and lock the door. We think we have something valuable in our heart and we protect it. Just like I'm, when I speak to you, 
if you don't know me, if I haven't been able to ch charm your heart, then <laughs> then you listen with your head, you see, and you think, yeah, okay, that's all right. Then I let that go down in my heart. But I'm protecting my heart because I think I have something valuable there. But if you keep hearing about Krishna and you think, oh, I've cluttered my heart, I have no valuable things there. <laughs> So many unvaluable things I thought were valuable, so many concepts, ideas, so many desires, how I would become happy, how I would make my life successful. I have a younger brother, and he went once looking for me at one of my Guru Maharaj's temples, and he met some of my godbrothers, and they began to speak to me, oh, you are Tripura Maharaj's brother, come in. <laughs> so I was well known at that time, in that institution. So they brought him in, and they began to talk to him, then he and after they talked to him for a couple hours and he was listening they said what do you think he said it is as if I had painted my life in watercolors and you are splashing water on it hmm? <laughs> the whole painting dissolving what I painted in my heart for my life what I would do what I would be I thought I could do what you are saying is just washing it all away this is the nature of Harikata not just some name but so pregnant with knowledge. What is the foundation, what is the canvas on which the art of Krishna Leela is drawn? So deep, so profound. We celebrated the Janmastami, the, the, the appearance day of Krishna, not long ago. We spoke for four days about Krishna, day and night, to many devotees that came. After everything on eighth day, I told them, well, I told them, in Bhagavatam, where the story of Krishna's appearance is recorded, it is mentioned that the emperor, Maharaj Parikshit, had seven days to live. Realizing that he only had seven days to live, he sat himself down on the bank of the Ganges to listen to Sukadev, the boy, sage, about Krishna. So if we think... If we were to be fi find out today that you only have seven days to live, what would you do? You'd become very serious how you spent your time, right? Like the Raj, like the king. But I told the devotees, what this Bhagavatam is saying to us in this story of the king is that you, all of us, we only have seven days to live. You should know it. Bhagavatam is telling you. What is your name? Ian. Ian. You only have seven days to live, Ian. How is that? Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. One of these days you will die. We should think like this. I have seven day, only seven days to live. And what is Janmastami? Janma means birth. Astami means eight. Krishna appears on eighth day. That is mean to take us beyond death, beyond these seven days. We're going to enter into the eighth day of the week, where life is eternal and happy also. There's no threat of dying there. Such things are possible. This is the good news. So there's some philosophy behind all of this. How there can be an eighth day. What is that Leela of Krishna? It's not just a story or a picture imagined in the mind of an artist. Krishna Nam is not just like any other name. It may sound, oh, there's this name, there's that name, Krishna, I contend, there's no... There's a philosophy that underlies this. 
very profound as a canvas from which the art of Krishna Leela is drawn. And if we become a little interested in chanting, we should become a little interested in this canvas that will help us to take advantage of that kirtan. So satatam kirtayantamam. Yes, you can chant anywhere, anytime, any place. No rules. There are no rules so that you can, anyone can chant. So who will not come then within this? The names have all the power of Krishna. You can chant anywhere, anytime, any place, even in your sleep. Who will take up another kind of spiritual practice? So generous this is. The name is, has an agenda. We have built around our heart these big walls and locked doors because we think we have something valuable in the heart. We're protecting it. Like I said, I speak and certain things you let in, other things you... I don't know if I let that one go down into my heart. We're protecting the heart. But Krishna doesn't care for your protection. <laughs> he doesn't care for your locked doors. He'll go there anyway. Who has love for Krishna? Who's Mahatma? Who's moving into the divine energy? Yes, he or she will speak in a logical way to appeal to your reasoning because you 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 are accustomed to moving according to reasoning, hopefully. To speaking the language of reason. It is said the difference between humans and animals is that they can they are reasonable, right? The power to reason. So we think then human beings they will speak the language of logic. This will be the universal language of human beings. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has come to give another idea. What is your human potential? Just to think? Is that all? Just to think? Just to know? And is knowing, is it possible to know in a comprehensive way? Everything? And do you want to? <laughs> it sounds troublesome. Enough to be happy. No. Mahaprabhu said human life has the potential not just to allow us to reason, but to love but to love. And who has realized that? Hmm? That person can speak about Krishna in such a way, in logical arrangement of words, but from his heart. Who has Who has no material desire? Who has let Krishna come into his heart and cleanse the heart? Has no material desire, nothing to gain from us. If that person speaks to us, who has nothing to gain, why will he speak to us? For our sake. And what will he speak to us about? About Krishna? The full gain? That is everything? To capture Krishna? To get Krishna? To get everything? He will speak about Krishna from his heart? In a logical arrangement of words? Some of the logic we will be able to accept we will allow it to go in. Other parts we won't. We won't understand it. it. It may be over our head. In an audience like this, it is too high for some, too low for others. What to do? We try to speak in such a way, everyone will get something. But if we cannot understand it, and if we, or if we reject it after understanding with our head, Krishna goes into your heart anyway. From the heart of the devotee, who has nothing to gain, means he has only to give. Krishna takes his seat there, and from there, through that devotee he gives of himself. He goes into your heart anyway. In spite of the fact that you've erected high walls and locked doors, like a thief, he goes in anyway and steals away. Hmm? Hari means to steal away. Chitta Hari. 
hmm? who steals the mind, steals the heart, takes away our heart, captures it. When Prabhupada wrote the Christian book, afterwards, what did he write on it? Anyone who reads this book will become devotee of Krishna. You are the testament to that in your life, then. Anyone who reads this book, it is mentioned the Ras Panchajaya, the Rasa Lila, the climax of Bhagavatam, of the life of Krishna. There it is mentioned. Krishna performs this Lila out of his mercy in this world. And anyone who hears about it must pursue it. It's so compelling, so charming. We can't speak with other traditions. And if they, if, if someone knows their tradition, like say Buddhism, very well, and they will discuss with me, we make, 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 meet some logical impasse. He cannot accept fully my logic. There will be always a flaw in my logic. There will always be a flaw in his logic and your logic. Logic is flawed. So if someone knows their tradition very well, they speak with me about my tradition, then we may meet some point where oh, I cannot convince him by logic, he cannot convince me. But then what I have to say is something that he cannot disagree with either. That maybe you have your philosophy, I have mine, but ours is more charming. <laughs> have you seen the picture of Krishna? <laughs> now you show me the picture of Buddha. It's good, but now look at Krishna. Yeah. Hmm. We eat well, too. <laughs> yes. Krishna is a big eater. Hmm? Charming. Though the heart will be captured. Hmm? Krishna means irresistible. Yes, all attractive. So, and he has an agenda, so he goes out. That is his kindness. He, he, we have an agenda in our life. And we are accustomed to going places and hearing things and taking what we want and adding them to our agenda. But if we come to this kind of gathering enough, we realize this kind of knowledge has an agenda of its own. It's alive. It has an agenda, and I'm on it. I'm accustomed to making things part of my agenda, but this knowledge has an agenda of its own, and I am part of its agenda. Oh, this is very different. I have to go there. Follow that. that and I feel it will be good for me. And still I'm resisting. I'm resisting, but I can feel it will be good for me. What to do? Keep that good company. Keep good company. Your heart will be conquered. Your reasoning, which is keeping you from going, giving yourself, it will be defeated. Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, the great Prabhupada of Gaudiamat in 1920s, he had a festival. He invited so many people from Bengal. In that festival, his disciples did kirtan and spoke about Hari, about Krishna. He established, uh, which was novel in that time, dioramas, statues, depicting the leelas of Krishna and philosophical points. It's the equivalent today of like a multimedia kind of presentation of Krishna consciousness. So many people came and prashad, that good food they offered like them just thousands and thousands of plates and when a man came in line to get and then he finished 
He went to the back of the line. Came again. Hmm? And the service looked at him and said, I think this guy is here for came a second time. Anyway, okay, I'll give it to him. Second time. Then when the fellow went to the back of the line and came again. And the newer devotee was serving the prashad. He hesitated when that person came. The older devotee standing there to him said, Why are you hesitating? Why are you going to put the prashad on his plate? He said, This is the third time he's coming. He said, You think that's a disqualification? That's a qualification. Give him again. You aren't distributing food. It is kripa, prashad, mercy. Unlimited to give. He made, he made a festival. Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasri Thakur Prabhupada. They were like a satellite of the whole spiritual world. Could accommodate the whole of Bengal. They were bottomless part of Prashad. And he said, uh, he could do Kirtan of Hari all night, all day, all night. After the festival was proceeding on, hmm, and people thought, time to go home. Then, he asked them to come forward. Please, all you people, I have one request of you. And they thought, oh, this sadhu is so nice. He has made a festival. He has invited all of us. Such a nice evening we've had, a religious evening. He's fed us all. He's a sadhu. He doesn't have any desires. He doesn't eat anything. So he's asking one request of us. Certainly we can fulfill his request. What small request he will have? Certainly we can fulfill that. What was his request? Oh, such a big request. So big was his heart. What was his request? Don't go home. That is all. Small thing. Don't go home. Such a big thing. Don't go home. Yes, don't go home. You stay here. What I've invited you to take part in, that is forever. I'm asking you to enter into this eternal life. Don't go home. To mortality. Your home, that is death row. Your house, that <laughs> is condemned. It is online, waiting to be demolished only. Matter of time. That is the fact. And he said, and if in your mind you're thinking, oh, Swami, but my house is on fire. Surely I can go for that. I say, no, let it burn. Sangsara dhavana. It is already burning. I already knew that, <laughs> that your house is on fire. That's why I invited you here. It's like a California forest fire. Hmm? You just have to stand back, move out of the way. It's some act of God only you can say you have now forest fire in California this time of year. And there's so many firefighters come to fight the fire, then, they, then they, the fire is fighting them. They have to all step back and think, only if God intervenes with the rain, stops the wind, is it possible to put this out? Our material life is like that. No hope for us, hmm? except by divine intervention. This is the business of Mahatmas, divine intervention. Coming after us, Krishnanam has an agenda, wants us to take us, to capture us forever. So, Mahaprabhu has given this method of kirtan, very attractive. Who can, even if you want to resist it, the message is, can't. In the form of his name, Krishna is coming after us. Now, very nice, very generous, no rules. But then Krishna says here, what? What about ikadasi? 
It is satatam kita yang tomam Yatantas cha Dhritabrataha Dhritabrataha means Brata means a vow And Dhrita means Yatantas cha Dhrita Very strictly following vow well, I thought there were no rules Anyone can chant Yes, anyone can chant That's a fact However There are certain things That will help us in the chanting They will be conducive to our chanting. So if, we are seri- if we've chanted, and as a result of chanting, we become a little serious about the chanting. We think, oh, there's something to be gained here. We're hearing a little philosophy also. We're understanding something behind it. First we may hear the devotees chanting, we may laugh. Oh, Harry Krishna, there he is again. Hmm? <laughs> but after some time, you may be captured by the chanting yourself. Then you have to so many of your books about the chanting and you're studying and so many things that are being said. So some things are favorable to that. Some rules that if you some guidelines that if you follow them, they will increase your capacity for taking advantage of Krishna Nam. These things are given by Krishna. That is what it means here, Druda Brata. To very strictly follow some vow, some vrats, like ekadasi, observing ekadasi. This is particularly this is particularly being referred to here in this verse. The Janamastami, the days of Krishna, and like we just passed this observance and so forth. Radhastami coming in about ten days or so. These kind of days. And Ekadasi coming twice in a month. To observe these things. This is Bhavasambandi. Sabishta Bhavasambandi. This will this will nourish that which indirectly, that which directly nourishes a sentiment for Krishna, bhava, that we are cult- seeking to cultivate. Our sadhana bhakti, what is sadhana bhakti? means devotion in practice. What is, the, what is the fruit of sadhana bhakti? Bhava bhakti. To enter into bhava bhakti. So this sadhana bhakti is the, is the pursuance of bhava. What will be helpful for that? Because all these primary limbs of, of bhakti, shravanam, kirtanam, Smaranam. What will indirectly help that? These ruts, these vows. The Baba Sambandi. Sambandi means like they have relationship. They are in relation to the cultivation of Bhav. They will be very helpful. So therefore this Ekadasi, it is called the day of Hari, the day of God, that should be observed. So some type of restriction with of eating is there. When we restrict the eating, that is called tapa. Some austerity. Tapa also means knowledge, because <coughs> when you restrict your senses from going outward, you go inward. You will have to think. In order to deal with the pain of restricting your senses from going outward in ways that they are accustomed, like eating, the tongue going out to touch, to taste food, to satisfy the belly, when you re- when you uh, restrict yourself voluntarily from this, then there's some pain. What does the pain do? The pain makes you think. You have to think now. The idea is that by restricting the senses, not, not too much, but some, to some extent. Too much, then you will, it will be too painful to think. Therefore, in the, in the right way, according to scripture, following, this will make you think more. And what will you think about? Naturally, you think about Krishna. It's his day. I'm doing it for him. This is smanam. 
That's manam as a main limb of bhakti. So this way, ikarasi is indirectly nourishing the culture of the sentiment for Krishna, that uh, that Krishna bhakti is all about. Therefore, it should be observed, observed by everyone. And there are other types of rules and regulations that will be very helpful. Someone may say, for example, you said very nice things about Krishna. I like that idea of chanting Hare Krishna. It's a free path. There are no rules, no regulations. So I will just chant Hare Krishna and everything I need will come from that. I don't need to follow any rules. I don't need any... I don't need a guru. The gurus are always giving so many rules. Do this, don't do that. The teacher is always giving so many... But I don't need that. I, why you need a guru? You can just chant Hare Krishna. The answer is this. Where did you get Hare Krishna? That's a bit a little intelligent. I got Krishna, Hare Krishna, from some devotee of Krishna. Some devo devotee, real devotees of Krishna, they're chanting this Hare Krishna, and that chanting has power. So, I, even without thinking about it, if I do think about it, I will understand, oh, I got it from them. So, how to do it right? How to take advantage of that? I should go to those who are relishing that, those Mahatmas. Krishna has set up a system by which you will be understood that is called Guru Parampara. If we avoid that, he says, Dhritavata, you should observe vows. That means there are things that you shouldn't do that will be helpful. There are things that you should do that will be helpful. And there are things that if you don't do, that will be offense. The name will take offense. Like showing regard for the teacher, that is called Guru Avagya. Do you understand? If the Guru is teaching, this will be favorable. You observe a courtesy, but you have to, I don't do that. That is Guru Avagya. That means offending the teacher. Then what kind of Nam will you have? What kind of Nam? Nam Aparad. Yes. Now, can you get liberated from Nam Aparad? No. It is not possible. So if we want to, ch we can all can chant. But if you chant, then you should, in, and have sangha. Two types of sadhu sangha. Sadhu sangha means to associate with saintly people. First type is through that sangha, you get shraddha, you get faith in Krishna, so you begin chanting and all these things. Second kind of sangha comes after chanting, after having faith. What is that sangha all about? If that sangha is to be successful. First sangha is successful, you get faith. If second kind of sangha after faith is successful, what do you get? You get a guru who gives bhajana kriya, which is the next step, the, the, the way to practice. So this is the fruit of sadhu sangha, second sadhu sangha. That in the sangha, assembly of, of, of saints, one saint is standing out very strongly, and I know I can get help here if I take advantage. That guru teaches us how to chant, how to take advantage. What is the philosophy that underlies, the canvas that underlies this whole of dancing of Krishna? All these things that will be helpful to us. If, if we follow in this way, Nam will be very kind to us. Nam will reveal himself. Hmm? Guru will give us a mala around our neck. Mala, it means gift of wealth. He will take the mala and place it before Krishna and all of his gurus and pray for their mercy. You please show mercy to this student. Put it around his neck like this. And japa mala.
also for chanting japa. You will bless that, and you will be you will be blessed to chant. That will be very helpful. That will be essential. And then when you are successful in that, he will give mantra to you, diksha mantra, in dative case, Hare Krishna Nazna mantra, in vocative case. That's why it can be chanted without rules. Dative case means it must be chanted with certain rules. And dative case means you will learn submission to Krishna. Sharanagati. Sharanagati will become complete. Surrender will become complete through this mantra. And then that vocative mantra, na-mantra, you can chant effectively. What does it say in Raghavartma Chandrika? If you don't take diksha and chant Krishna Nam, you will be saved from going down in the next life. In the next life, you will get the opportunity to take diksha. But if you take diksha, then the, the chanting of Nam will be successful. Then you can go up, all the way up, 108 number, 108 suite. So, what does that mean, go 108 suite? That is now coming next. We'll conclude with this. Krishna said, Satatam kitayantomam yatantas chadjirabhatat. Anyone could chant any time, any place. We talked about how merciful Krishna Nam is. But then we also heard, oh, but intelligent persons who undertake advantage will find, oh, there's some things that I can do. I can change my life, alter my life in such a way to take advantage of this fully. So all the, Christ- the wealth of Krishna Nam can come to me. So I'll find a good guide. I learn how to do bhajan under his or her grace, guidance. I understand the scriptures systematically under that guides kind and affectionate uh, teaching by the theory that he gives, by the example that he sets, and all these things. I'll understand Krishna has come to me in the form of the guide locally to deal with me. I'll give all my attention there. So much I'll benefit from that. What will be the benefit? Hmm? I'll be moving in a head, a head in this way, but putting my head on the ground rather than stepping on people's heads. I will, I will I have all the Vaishnavas step on my head, take the dust from their feet, and nitya yukta upasate. Krishna is given here. This is Krishna speaking. By this chanting you will get this, this kind of chanting, with Yudhavrata, following in a systematic way. I said, you get association with those people who are always singing about Krishna's virtues, that singing will go in your ear, will enter your heart, and you will go step by step. Shraddhārati bhakti manukramishati. Anukram, step by step, means from shraddha, initial faith, to sadhusanga, association with devotees, to bhajanakriya. I find my guru, he teaches me, suited for me particularly. My practice then becomes such that all unwanted things leave my heart. They go out. My practice becomes fixed, nishta. And then my intelligence is fixed there. Then I get, then my heart comes out. Pure heart, ruchi. I have a taste for this thing. I become attached to bhakti. Cannot stop it. It's self-propelling. Meditation is not deliberate, but natural. Spontaneous, I come to uh, the fruit of ruchi, I get asakti, attachment to Krishna. I graduate from sadhana bhakti, I enter the emotional life of bhakti. All these things, this is step by step, this comes. 
from associating with Mahatmas. We get all of this. We're through Krishna Nam, practicing step, all these things, step by step. And what does it mean then to come to Bhav Bhakti and to cultivate Bhav Bhakti and get praying? Nitya Yukta Upasate, Krishna says. Nitya Yukta. They, they have Yukta, union with me, Nitya. They enter eternal union with me, Upasate, in worship. Don't think. It means I become one with Krishna. No. Nitya Yukta Upasate. They perpetually Upasate. They Nitya. They Nitya eternally worship me. What they're doing now, they do then. The Sadhya and Sadhana are the same. The goal and the means are the same. That continues but with feeling, with emotion, with love. They make union with me in love. Or it means they constantly worship me and pine for union with me whenever there is any separation in the Leela. They're always longing for that. They're continuously longing for union with me, always. In the next verse, Krishna says, there's other kinds of people. They want to have a different kind of union with me. They want to become one with me in all respects and stop worshiping. They worship me at best to stop worshiping me. These are not the Mahatmas, he says. No, Mahatma is another thing. Their sadhana, their practice, and their sadhya is the same. As I said, give. Give to live. Living is giving forever. How can you give forever? You have to, have someone, you have to find someone who can take forever. That is Krishna. <laughs> the supreme enjoyer. He said he liked you. why we eat a lot. We offer a lot. <laughs> because he eats a lot. Unlimited. Actually, the deity is very merciful. The deity of Krishna, for the most part, he doesn't talk. Why is that? Prabhupada said, the deity is, a f is the form in which Krishna comes. He comes in a form as the deity, a form which you can handle. Does it mean you can pick him up and handle? Maybe it means that. Okay. But you can handle him because he doesn't talk. If he starts talking, you're finished. <laughs> Give me this, bring me that, bring me this. <laughs> Unless you can talk back. And if he starts talking, then you, you will be able to talk back. Sanatha Goswami was ho keeping his deity hanging from a tree. He had nothing. He made some baked bread in a stone oven, unleavened bread. He used to offer it to his deity. One day the deity said, can't you bring a little salt? It's <laughs> Krishna, after all. See, so if he talks, then you're in trouble. Sanatan said, next you, I give him you salt, then you want ghee, then you want rice, then you want milk. I'm living like a beggar. How I can get all these things? Be quiet. When Krishna starts to talk to you, then you can talk back like that. Before that, <laughs> offer on time, do nicely, follow all the rut, carefully <laughs> then one day Krishna will talk to you so many days you've been offering all these things now I have something to say to you you know when he told Sanatan can't you at least bring some salt he said hey back off I, you have to accept what I've got and then he meanwhile there was a barge coming salt merchant <laughs> being a huge on the Jamuna the river big cargo of salt got stuck on a sandbank. And one that night, Sanatan rested, one boy came 
One dark-skinned boy came in the night, showed that man how to free the barge. So he was very happy. He said, I want to give you something. He said, you do this. You go deliver your salt when you come back. There's a, a sadhu living up here. He's got nothing. Build a temple for him. He likes Krishna very much. It was Krishna who did it in the night. He came. The man went, sold his salt, came back, built a temple for Madan Mohan. Then he got salt, ghee. When you build a temple, then so many people will come. Oh, there's a temple. Hmm? <laughs> this is for the common people. The sadhu can worship in his heart. In his heart he can give everything to Krishna. He's giving whatever he has. Then Krishna will talk to him. What about the rest of the people? You have such a big heart. You've given me everything. So many other people. Share me with them. That means give me some salt. Okay, you build a temple. Then people say, oh, there's something going on. There was some guy living up there, but we couldn't understand. He's just a crazy person living up there. Now I see a temple. Oh, oh and that crazy guy's there too. <laughs> the sadhu. So we'll go to the temple and we do all these religious festivals and we'll bring salt and we like to shop. Let's shop. We'll go shopping for Krishna. We'll buy a crown and a silk dress and we like to dance. Let's go to the temple and dance tonight. We like to sing. Let's sing. We like to cook and eat good food. Let's cook nice thing and bring it to the temple and we'll taste the remnants. And all these things that people do ordinarily, when the temple is erected, then they can do it all for Krishna. It all becomes yoga. And when they do all those things, and they keep doing all those things, what happens? Krishna starts to appear in the temple of their heart. He says, oh, your heart has become cleansed by all those things. Just see what work you've done. You've made a, your heart a temple. This is the real work. A fellow came to me once in Vrindavan. He had a big plan. He said, Swami, I want to do such a big plan for Krishna. I'm going to make a big, such a big temple and a whole planetarium and a whole Disneyland of Krishna Lila and all the, just to attract so many people. And he was talking and talking. I said, uh, that's not such a big idea. What do you mean? I will call cores and lakhs of rupees it will take. Millions of dollars to do this. I'm going to raise this money and big plan to serve Krishna. I said, I have a bigger plan for you. I said, what is that? I said, you sit here and try to make your heart a temple. Oh, I cannot do that. That is a, yeah, that is a big thing, Swami. He has to do that. That is the first thing. Really, te real temple that comes out of the heart of someone like Sanatana Goswami, that kind of sadhu. Temple is already there in the heart. It comes out, manifests. Then people take advantage. They can see it. That's got a flag waving. They come. They serve. Then their heart becomes cleansed. Then what happens? Then they go inside. They go live in the forest. Then temple, that temple, they start another temple from there for the people this way. And this is real preaching. You have to clean your own heart. This is a big thing. Not just busy work for other people to save the world. What about you? I heard some propaganda like this. Don't be spiritually selfish. Give up your own spiritual practice just to save other people. That is the craziness. Your spiritual practice that will purify your heart, that will give you the capacity to help other people. You can only give what you have. So some attention should be given to that, much attention to that, not just keeping busy. So, anyway, this way we've talked about ecodicy in a roundabout way. Any question? Yes. Is there any way that you can overnourish the paper of devotion? No, you cannot overnourish. 
But it is said, Guru is like the fire. Fire you cannot get too close to, and fire you cannot stay too far away from either. If you stay too far away, you will you will you will freeze, and you cannot cook. If you get too close, then you will burn. So Guru means the the medium through which Krishna teaches about himself to us. So with the help of the Guru in consultation, we have to find how close we can sit. Some people may need to sit at a bit of a distance in order to fully take advantage. And some people will, will sit very close to take advantage. The thing is to find the right place so that you can fully take advantage. And with the help of that Guru, you will get the guidance in that regard. So without knowing that, then if you get too close, then you could get burnt. Something like that. If you artificially renounce, then then it's not the same as overnourishing. When you say overnourishing, I say no. But if you artificially try to become a renunciate when you don't have that capacity, heart is not clean enough, then it will be counterproductive. So one has to know one to how to tell one's own temperature. One, one has to have some guru uh, take the temperature and say, this is the level of your temperature. Now you do this. So if you have good guidance, then you will never have a problem. Because that you'll be nourished in all circumstances. So, eh, same kind of addressing your question, but I said first, no, because nourishment, no. You cannot get enough nourishment. But again, association is nourishment, so we have to know how to associate. So, another question? Today I was asked about using the Lord's name in vain. I was asked by a young Christian. He said, you guys are always chanting, what if you aren't, you know, you're all Christian, you know, or something, you know, and then, like, someone goes, Jesus Christ, you know, and then they ask me, so can you, is using the Lord's name in vain, does, does that mean, mean anything to us? Using Christian's name in vain? He's asking, he's wondering. The man was wondering. Yeah. No, we, we cannot, you, we don't do that. We don't use it in vain. It cannot be used vain. Vain means, what does vain mean? It's like blasphemy, basically. In that sense, it means carelessly. With anger. Yes, we don't do that. Another question. I'm just thinking about you know, the diving pepper team. About uh, we talk about the superlative devotees being under the protection of the divine nature, but to varying degrees, different classes of devotees will be under the somewhat under the degrees of life. You know, superlative devotees and intermediate devotees are under the diving pepper team, and neophyte devotees are under the intermediate devotees <laughs> and the superlative devotees, and thereby they are under the diving prakritin, to the extent that they actually take shelter of them. They come <coughs> under that. And therefore, we have to keep good association. That is imperative. Madhyamadikari, Uttamadikari, they are under the diving prakritin. Konishtadikari is not, but he's under them. He, he's, he's a, such person is a Kanishtarikari because they have called him as such. They have addressed, that is their generosity. Vaishnava means liberated person. Vaishnava jati buddhi. Without generosity, such persons extend 
the term. We call Vaishnapraya, almost a Vaishnav, Prakrita Bhakta, a materialistic devotee. You see, it's oxymoron. But it is the generosity of advanced devotees. They include us in the fold and call us Vaishnav, make a category for us. Vaishnapraya, almost a Vaishnav. All these things, there are varying degrees. To move in the direction of Madhyamadikari means to use your intelligence in Krishna's service. That means your faith becomes Shastriya Shraddha, faith based on studying the scriptures and understanding what you're involved in and so forth. And then, then you will understand the value of the devotee, how that is more valuable than Krishna, Krishna's association to associate with the devotee. And you can... And this calling, this, this discrimination. Madhima means who discriminates. He, he follows the vows very carefully. He's discriminating. This will be useful. This will be helpful. That will not be helpful. To the extent that we don't do that, you know, then we are not progressing. We should progress to the point of, of that type of practice. Do you understand? Yeah. I was thinking about the question about taking the Lord's name in vain, and I was. No, I'm telling you you should accept a guru because I have a guru. So I know that. I'm only a guru if you think I'm a guru. That's up to you. <laughs> I don't think I'm a guru, but uh, some people do. So I honor that. <laughs> I tell you because I have a guru. I tell you from my experience. That is the best thing in my life. That is the beginning of the end of material existence. I, I tell you from my own experience. And more. I tell you because I accept you as my guru. You are engaging me in talking about Krishna. That is the business of the guru. You are asking questions about Krishna. You are all gathering here, telling me, talk about Krishna. So, I'm following your advice. You are all engaging me. Going for you where I would be. <laughs> so I am indebted to you. That is the idea. Guru is a servant. Why? Guru teaches service. So how you can be teach service unless you are a servant? Well, guru is, is not a bad thing. Guru is a, is a good servant. The way real Guru teaches about service, then you can only gain from him. <laughs> 